part i don't get get. i'm I'm, we're just totally here you do it we're getting worse and worse (laughs) i am jay i am (laughs) bay this is episode 39 there we go okay we are almost hitting the big four zero wow midlife crisis (laughs) (laughs) um so guess what i found out yesterday what I have a staph infection in my leg. In your leg? Yes. I have that a sm- sound good. I have a small infection in my leg because I scratched a bug bite. Oh. Is so, that are you gonna be okay? Are you gonna survive? Yeah. I went to urgent care yesterday because I was like, the side of my leg is swollen. This is not normal. This is so normal. um I had like a giant goose egg on the on the side of my leg and it was like popping out and everything. It looked really funny. It almost looked like your ankle when it was broken, but not quite as bad. Um, So I went and I was like, I just want some, some medical professional to tell me that, that I'm crazy and that this is fine. It's just a bug bite. Cause I didn't want to go there and be like, Oh yeah, put some cortisone cream on it. And then, you know, pay your copay and leave. Um, And then she was like, yeah, it looks like a staph infection because there's like these little like red dots around it. And she's like, that's what happens when you have like a staph infection. So I'm on antibiotics. That's one of the things I've heard of the staph infection, but I never really knew what it was. I think it's just like, it's honestly, you're talking to the wrong gal here, but um, I essentially probably most likely just got an infection because I scratched it. Okay. Like Um, got inside of it. Yeah. So like when you have that open wound and if your hand's dirty or whatever, or you have something on your skin microscopic that you can't see and then you scratch and then that gets inside of you. And then I guess it starts to fester. So that was my week. Uh, and uh, we also survived tropical storm Isais. Oh, that's how you say it? I'm just guessing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's like, it's like an I or it's I S A I A S, right? Isais. That's, that's kind of how I'm, I'm going to roll with that until someone corrects me. Um, but it could absolutely be incorrect. I, I, uh, truly believe that that is the incorrect way to pronounce that. Yeah, it kind of sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, that was the, uh, I mean, we got some, we got some rain and then it was over. I don't know how. I don't think Florida got hit too badly. I think that we were just so incredibly lucky that it, A, turned into a tropical storm. It was no longer a hurricane. And uh, all we really got is some a little bit of wind and a lot of rain. And my garden's happy for it. So, And then, like, the half of the day was sunny. So I was like, damn, I'll take this tropical storm. I'll <laughs> take it. I'll take it and roll with it. So I feel, I feel blessed so far that I was able to uh, get this staph infection looked at and um, that, you know, our houses are still standing. Yes. Um, with all the craziness that's going on, it's good to have a couple good things going too. Yeah. Um, so I think it is my turn. I believe so. 
And uh, I'm telling you, this was an unintentional choice of mine to choose this topic. It was forced um, upon No. I guess, yeah, I should probably rephrase. Um, I just didn't think, like, I've, I figured I'd go back to my list of topics to pick something. And then I'm, you know, like on Facebook and then one of those little pop-ups from ranker.com comes up and um, it's like, that's like kind of like my list 25, <laughs> but <laughs> usually it has to do with like, I mean, but actually, yeah, ranker has, has, it's like a good, like rabbit hole website. Like you could go beyond that thing for hours. And it was about um, the wizard of Oz, you know, the movie. <clears throat> And I just started to briefly read some stuff and then I opened up more links and more links and more links. And I found <laughs> out all this information that I am just telling you, this shit is fucked up. Like my childhood was blown up right before my oh, eyes. So for those of you who don't know, I was a major Wizard of Oz fan when I was little, I, my mom likes to say that I called it Wizboz. Oh. Um, and I, I asked to watch Wizboz every day, like after pre-K, like I would come home and watch it when I was three. And oh, then I would so sing the little cute. songs and stuff and stand in the family room and watch it. And then I was Dorothy for Halloween when I was four. And I was yeah, a I remember those pictures. super cute Dorothy. But, um, Oh my gosh. I had no idea. There are so many things about the filming of the movie and the actors of the movie and the whole entire thing that I don't get. And I just, <laughs> I think the answer to a lot of it is just the time frame in which it was made. Yeah. Um, holy, holy, holy shit. So... <clears throat> Let me start. Now I've cleared my throat and here, let me open up my Diet Candida dry. Okay. My, the Diet Seagram's is just not coming into the grocery store anymore. I don't know what that's about. Oh, really? Actually, I was drinking it not too long ago. Okay. So The Wizard of Oz is considered to be one of the best movies of all time, in, depending upon who you ask. And The Wizard of Oz has paved the way for both color movies and special effects upon its release in 1939. The Wizard of Oz was a tremendous critical success. Um, it had a really high budget for the time um, um, and promotions costs of an estimated $4 million. So that would be an equivalent to like $73 million for today, but it was still very successful. In 1956, CBS decided to start showing like an annual showing of it, almost kind of like that Snoopy pumpkin thing. <clears throat> so that's when it really started to like resurge in its popularity. And so generations upon generations, including myself, have really enjoyed the movie since and continued to enjoy it. And there's always been lots of rumors and myths that have come up over the years um, about this movie and that is essentially the parts that i don't get so i was able to find one cute fact and i will start us off with the light fact first <laughs> and then we will be going down a dark and desolate road it always, it always turns that direction you know you, <laughs> cute um okay so let me 
So for example, um, one of the main things, the main staples of the movie, of course, is uh, the ruby red slippers that Dorothy clicks her heels and sends her back home to Kansas. Um, so the ruby red slippers, you know, uh, essentially the Wizard of Oz was a series of books. So the ruby red slippers weren't actually red in the book. And um, <clears throat> they were referred to as the silver shoes. Um, and silver wasn't fancy enough for this on-screen Technicolor version of the film, the representation that they were going to do. So they, they wanted them to be red. And they got red leather shoes, but they turned out to look orange on their Technicolor on screen. So a costume designer then had to sew thousands of sequins on the shoes to make them look like oh. they eventually did. And of course, that was hand sewn. So that's pretty one awesome. Oh my God. Oh. I think that mine for my costume, mine were just glitter that was glued yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what they do now. There's <laughs> probably some sort or of factory somewhere. Spraying the glue and then just dipping them in. That's my guess as to how they did it. Probably took 10 seconds in comparison right. to this hand-sewn stuff. Um, so there are four authenticated pairs of ruby red slippers that were used in the making of the movie. So one's in the Smithsonian in DC. So we can go and see that if we wanted to one, one day when there's no more virus. One pair is owned by the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, and another pair is owned by a private collector. I cannot even imagine the fandom that that person must have. Oh my God, um, in the security, you'd have to <laughs> like in your house. I know. Um, so the fourth pair, stolen from a Judy Garland museum. Of course, Judy Garland was the famous actress that played Dorothy, who wore the yeah. ruby red slippers. It was stolen in 2005. And they even put up a $1 million reward for the shoes, but they were never returned. I feel like uh, I, I remember hearing that. Yeah. So to that person, those shoes are worth more than a million dollars. Who knows so how much they're four, worth? She wore all four versions? Yeah. So, you know, oh. like there's probably multiple versions of the dress too. And like, yeah. You know. Yeah. So that if and they get like, you know, tarnished or whatever. And so those are the four authenticated pairs that were actually worn by Judy Garland and used during production. <clears throat> so uh, that I actually do have one more fun fact and then it goes down our darkness. What word? Um, you know how like the Wicked Witch of the West, everyone says like, fly, fly my pretties. Apparently that is one of the um, biggest and most common uh, movie misquotes of all time. She doesn't oh, really? actually say that, but people like, you know, you'll see that come up in pop culture, comic strips, cartoons, movies. She mm -hmm. actually just says, fly, fly, fly. And that's it. She doesn't say, say, fly, my pretties. My pretty and your little dog too. She says that later, but when she's talking about um, her flying monkeys, and she's telling them to go after Dorothy and her friends. She just says, fly, fly, fly. Oh, and people misquote that as fly, my, my pretties. Yeah. Oh. All right. So <laughs> that was the end of the good stuff. Oh, wait, I think I have one more, unless you're going to go into this. Maybe it turned bad, but I, I heard that the woman who plays the Wicked Witch was like a kindergarten teacher. Oh, I didn't hear that. No, I didn't hear yeah. that. Really? Yeah, I think it was, I read it somewhere randomly and it was like, wow, can you imagine like you go to school? At, well, I guess you go back to teaching after that. But. Well, there was 20 minutes of the film that was cut apparently because it was too scary wow. because of her. 
She was scary enough in what they I, I didn't care at all. Like I remember having oh, I was I was scared of her. You were scared? Because <laughs> yeah. I had friends that were scared, but I was like, bring it on, bitches. Like I didn't care at all. Out of nowhere. I mean, she was very scary. It did not bother me. I was just like not affected by her at all. Did you relate? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> Um, yeah, apparently like the original person that they cast to play her was, this is what I read the word. You can tell it's not for me. Buxom, you know, so I guess like sexual, but she wasn't ugly enough. So the producers thought like evil should really translate into ugly. So they want it. So that's why they gave her like the look that they gave her. I'm pretty sure her nose is fake. Yeah, I think it is. I feel like. So, um, (laughs) <laughs> but no, I did not know that. If that's true, we should we should find that out. We should Google it. Um, so yeah. an update next week or next, <laughs> uh, next episode. So Judy Garland was cast at 16 to play Dorothy, the main character of the movie. The whole yeah, process of this movie. <laughs> well, so, yeah. So she was picked over Shirley Temple. You know, of course, Ooh. we know that Shirley Temple was a big deal back then um, to play this starring role. Judy Garland was born in 1922 and she died in 1969 and she was an American actress, singer, vaudevillian, and dancer. And she worked and performed for almost like her entire life. So basically like 45 years she she worked as some sort of a performer and attained international stardom. But by many accounts, The Wizard of Oz was both the beginning and the end of Judy Garland's career. Actors in the 1930s were under contract um, from like the studios. So like you'd sign a con, almost like the, kind of like the music business. You'd sign a contract like with the, the studio yeah. and then they would decide what they wanted to put you in. So wow. signing a contract was a good thing. And then you got like paid like an, an annual salary, but then they could choose to put you in a movie or not. And you could just be sitting on that shelf doing nothing. And you had no um, like I don't like I don't want to do this movie. I mean, you could try, but yeah, if you were under contract, you had very little things that you could do about it at this time. This is the 30s. Um, so whatever studio they signed with, um, uh, many actors were mistreated and overworked, especially children. So teenage actors were often given adrenaline shots to keep them awake and barbiturates oh to help them sleep. And Garland was no exception. Of course, she was already a pill popper prior to Wizard of Oz, but this certainly didn't help. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) She ended up having a significant substance abuse problem later on in life, um, which resulted in her overdose uh, when she was, you know, uh, when she was in her 40s. Um, she died at 45. So she pretty much worked almost her entire, pretty much her entire life. She was also given diet pills, uh, for the Wizard of Oz because, uh, she, she was told to slim down. Uh, Garland allegedly was called the quote, fat little pig with pigtails end quote by studio executives. Oh Originally the producers, they wanted Shirley Temple and Shirley Temple was younger, um, or, or at the very least looked younger. Um, but there were contract issues and they weren't sure if Shirley could um, sing as well as Judy Garland. Obviously Judy Garland had a beautiful voice. So they ended up with Judy. So they, they told her that they wanted Dorothy to be younger. Um, So she was asked to lose on an, about 12 pounds so that she could more closely resemble a 12 year old. 
12 in that? There is no way she is 12. She doesn't look anything like she's 12. She looks like she's what, 15, 16 at the youngest. Um, so at that time she was 17. And so she was forced on a strict diet. She's got the diet pill. She's got the barbiturate. She's got the adrenaline shots. She's told that she's a fat pig. That following <laughs> that strict diet included cigarettes. Oh my um, and uh, she, had to wore, she had to wear a corset. And she also had to flatten her breasts to make her look uh, younger while filming. It's like the opposite of what they do now. I know. <laughs> like, let's enhance uh, your <laughs> I know, right? Let, let's, let's make you look super old with an angelic childhood face. Um, so while filming the scene where Dorothy like slaps the cowardly lion, I think he's like crying and she's like, slap out of it. Judy Garland supposedly um, had like a giggling fit. Um, and like couldn't stop laughing while they were shooting the scene. They had to keep starting over and over and over and over. So the director ended up slapping her um, to snap her out of it. And then she delivered a perfect take the next time around. Um, so all in all, The Wizard of Oz was a good thing for her career, but I can't even imagine like the whole process. Only being 16, 17 at the time. Um, so I have some, I have a little bit of a, something on literally every main character. So I'm just going to go down the list. So the Cowardly Lion, um, who is played by actor Bert Lahr, his costume was very authentic. And do you want to know why? Oh no, it was a real lion? Yes. <laughs> so they made the Cowardly Lion's actual costume out of real lion pelts. What the fuck? absolutely disgusting it Gross. weighed 90 pounds allegedly God, and apparently it smelled really gross yeah bad. um having like that sweaty dude inside of it all day <laughs> um <laughs> laura the actor remembers spending about three hours each day in this makeup chair um as did the scarecrow and the tin man the probably most tragic part of the whole entire thing was what happened to the actors that played the munchkins. So mm -hmm. if I do say munchkins, I, I am not referring to little people as munchkins, obviously. That's just like the characters that they played. Called, yeah. They lived in munchkin land and they were called munchkins or the lollipop guild. So MGM insisted that only adults played the inhabitants of munchkin land. Um, and when the Wizard of Oz's producers began their search for little people to play these actors, to play the Munchkins, they contacted an agent named Leo Singer. And he had um, like a vaudeville troupe of little people. Um, and Singer promised to find 124 actors uh, that the studio required. In the end, they couldn't find enough, so they ended up hiring at least 12 children to play the Munchkins. Um, so Singer ended up putting up the, you know, 100 actors in this uh, hotel that was down the street from MGM. And the actors that portrayed the Munchkins were also paid um, less than every single person on the cast, including the dog, Toto. Oh, my gosh. Toto received more money than the Munchkins did. So they were, the, the actors that played the Munchkins, they were given $100 a week. Um, which I think was probably pretty good for the 30s, but even still, like, come on. 
And yeah. uh, Toto was given $125 every week. A dog, dog <laughs> was given more money than they were. But yeah. this didn't even really matter because Singer took more than half of every single one of their pay. He like just literally pocketed it from them. Um, and he told them like, if you don't like it, then you can leave. Um, so obviously, you know, they stayed. Uh, when casting actor, when casting the actors to play the Munchkins, Mervyn Leroy was one of the producers, and he reportedly only wanted white actors, and he wanted ones that were quote cute and looked perfect end quote. So they needed to be the Munchkins, just the Munchkins. Um, they needed to be shorter than four four, so four feet four inches, and they had to be quote proportionally correct. Um, so little people with achondroplasia, which results in average size torso, but shorter limbs were passed over just because of that. Um, they were pretty mistreated. They, so like, for example, like they had these like really big costumes and one of them, um, fell into the toilet. And there are some stories, maybe they were under the influence, maybe they were drunk or not, but honestly, it could have just been the costume. So then they were no longer allowed to go to the bathroom by themselves and they needed a um, tall person to go with them, to escort them, like basically mm -hmm. as their buddy, you know, almost like an elementary school to go to yeah, the bathroom. Yeah, like very, yeah. very condescending. It's very demeaning, yeah, because they were all adults. They were like in their 30s and 40s, um, you know, clearly going to the bathroom by themselves for a very long part, long portion of their life. Um so, you know, there are lots of stories that they spent their off-screen time, like drinking and partying and, quote, engaging in group activities, like orgies, <laughs> um, back in, like, their little hotel. Uh, there, But there's nothing really to substantiate that. It's just kind of, like, hearsay. So, you know, you never know. Yeah. Um, I kind of don't believe that that happened. But, I mean, I feel like they probably just, you know, kicked one back at the end of the day like any actor would. But, you know because they looked different, they probably made a bigger deal about it than it yeah, really was. Yeah, they probably assumed they were into some weird shit. They filmed six days a week um, for approximately two weeks and had 14-hour days each day. Um, and for the Munchkinland scene, uh, they had to make 100 handmade costumes. Um, preparing the actor's makeup took several hours and required the makeup department to create like an assembly line. And the Munchkinland actors wore latex wig caps that the crew like glued to their heads underneath of their hair pieces. And oh. removing the caps required like them to forcefully like pull them from their heads. And it caused them like a lot of pain and a lot of discomfort. Um, along with like the, the cumbersomeness of the outfit and costumes themselves, which if you look back, cause I had to like look at pictures because I did not remember the costumes are, are very over the top, like three-piece suits and hats and um, these almost like weird, colorful colonial women dresses and it's quite something. So um, in the film, I'm just going to keep on going down the line. In the film, Dorothy, Toto, and the Cowardly Lion, at some point they do, they fall asleep in that poppy field of flowers. Yeah. And then they're magically like woken up. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, if I could only build that little, that little 
napping tent underneath of my desk like George Costanza from Seinfeld. That'd be great. Oh, I know, right? Uh, let me get my contractor in here. Um, <laughs> and then we just are awoken every day by beautiful snow, like in the movie. <laughs> well, so, like looking all <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yawn, stretch. Oh. Um, so what do you think that fake snow is made out of? Oh, I, I've heard this. It's, it's made out of, um, oh gosh, uh, it's, it's stuff that, that's like really bad for your lungs. Asbestos? asbestos. Yeah. Yes. Jinx. Yeah, me soda. So asbestos fibers were often used as fake snow apparently around this time for like household decorations and for film sets um, from like the mid 30s to the 50s. So that was asbestos that was falling on them. Wonderful. So that's not the end of the medical maladies that started off in this film. Like someone needed to have some serious fucking oversight here. Like the special effects and costumes and makeup people really like they should have never worked again. Like these people were nuts. The, the amount of issues that went on, it's crazy. So the Tin Man, there were actually two Tin Men that were casted. The OG Tin Man, um, Buddy Ebsen, actually is the same guy that played Jed Clampett in the Beverly Hillbillies, you know, ding, 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 ding. Um, so he had to leave the cast because the aluminum dust from his silver makeup as the Tin Man made him so sick that he had to go to the hospital and end up in an iron lung. Um, some say oxygen tent, so either oxygen tent, iron lung, regardless, the guy went to the hospital and he couldn't breathe. Um, <laughs> apparently, and when that happened, nobody told the cast why Ebsen had to leave. So they were just like hushing that issue under the rug. Um, due to the way that the like studio contracts that we were talking about before like functioned, um, Jack Haley was the actor that was then like forced into the role of the Tin Man, and he's the one that ended up in the film. Uh, they switched the makeup. They thought, you know what, let's not have this happen again, to an aluminum paste. Um, and this still gave Jack Haley like a, a terrible eye infection. Oh, okay. um, but, you know, at least he didn't end up in an iron lung. So uh, interestingly, <laughs> you can actually hear the original Tin Man's voice um, playing on the so soundtrack in certain places. Cool. But, so, but you don't see him anywhere. It's just. No, it's just. So no Jed Clampett anywhere in the film just uh, Jack Haley. So that Wicked Witch that we were talking about, um, uh, Margaret Hamilton is her name. Um, you know, jury's still out on whether she was a kindergarten teacher or not. So during <laughs> the Munchkinland sequence, there was a faulty trap door and I guess she fell through it or something happened with the door and she ended up getting serious burns on her body um, and she had to miss six weeks of filming. I wonder how long it, it took to that's film this lot. movie, because that's a long time. Um, and then, so her stand-in was required to like go in for her. Um, and then when she came back, Margaret Hamilton was like, I'm not doing any scenes with fire after this. I'm done with the fire. No, thank you. No, sorry. Yeah. So it's a good thing she said that because that stand-in uh, her name was Betty Dank. She was asked to sit on a makeshift pipe that spewed out smoke. Um, and then that pipe was made to look like her broom. And, mm -hmm. you know, like the back had the smoke coming out of it. Mm 
And in the scene where she's like, surrender, Dorothy, you know, the pipe um, <laughs> that she was sitting on that she's supposed to be, you know, mimicking flying on exploded. Oh. And then she had to go to the hospital too um, for 11 days and her legs were permanently scarred from that explosion. Wow. <laughs> and, you know, Margaret Hamilton was also left with um, some also unfortunate issues due to her makeup. You know, she was painted green. Yeah. So that green makeup was highly flammable and very toxic. Mm-hmm. Um, and she accidentally swallowed some, you know, cause it's on her face. So it probably yeah. went in her mouth, like how like lipstick can sometimes. And then it's, I don't know if this is true, but it said that she was unable to eat for days and her skin stayed green after oh, the movie wrapped for several weeks. I've even seen some say like a, a months. So I don't know how long she stayed green, but she stayed green for a little while <laughs> um, due to the copper content in the makeup. Um, Toto. Now you might want to muzzle those ears. This actually isn't as bad as comparison to what other people suffered. Um, Toto was played by a female Karen Terrier. That's, that's the same type of dog that my parents have. Um, and its name was Terry in real life during the filming um one of the wicked witch's winky guards accidentally stepped on the dog and broke her paw oh. and she terry the dog had to be replaced for the next four weeks of filming and it was just the one dog because i know now they use like several dogs but i guess because of like i think terry was supposed to be the main dog but obviously there were two because she had to be replaced yeah. um but they don't say what that dog's name is um, I hopefully that dog also got paid. <laughs> uh, the scarecrow um, was played by R- Ray Bolger, and he had imprints left on his face. I don't think they were permanent, but they definitely lasted for a long time because of that prosthetic mask that he had to wear. Um, they said that the imprints supposedly lasted um, a year after filming, like along the like his hairline and the edge of his face. Um. The Winkies, I don't know what the Winkies are. I don't remember them, but I guess they're like the guards of the, um. Oh, are they the ones with like the the tall fur hats? I guess. They're like the, um, Wicked Witch's guards or something. And so she also had the Flying Monkeys. So they wore some of like the heaviest costumes of the whole entire production. So this movie was filmed in something called Technicolor. And it became really popular in the early 30s. And you remember, like, the movie starts out black and white, and then it turns into color. Um, So um, Technicolor became popular in the 30s because it allowed for colors to appear more vivid and, like, highly saturated. However, in order for this to be accomplished, it required very bright arc lights um, for filming. So the intense lighting setup caused temperatures in the studio to soar over a hundred degrees. And there were even issues with carbon dioxide buildup in the air. So production needed to be stopped occasionally so that the studio could be aired out. (laughs) I mean, like what point do you say to yourself, maybe this isn't meant to be. Maybe it's not worth it. <laughs> Maybe when we can't even breathe the air, something's <laughs> going wrong. 
maybe this form of hospital staff on site. (laughs) Maybe this form of of, uh, film is just not really worth the lives that it's putting at risk. (laughs) Um, Who knows who got cancer or whatever later in life from like the asbestos and the carbon dioxide and God knows what else they put in the the makeup. So because fourteen hours in that because it was so hot. The Winkies and the Winged Monkeys, their heavy costumes, they struggled in the heat and they almost came, they came close to heat stroke several times. Um, the lollipop that like the lollipop guild like presents to Dorothy was even made out of plywood because they, they didn't want it to melt. They literally didn't want the props in their hands to melt because it was so freaking hot. Mm-hmm. Um, and the lights were not only hot, but they were also blinding and they required so much electricity. The crew had to source this out from two enormous generators outside the studio. Uh, and they're wondering why the production costs were so high. <laughs> um, so there's one final piece that I didn't get and I found a great explanation for it. And I bless the heart of the people that are doing this research because they made my job so much easier. <laughs> um, have you ever heard of the myth of the person committing suicide on the set? No. Oh, really? Okay. So there's this big urban legend and I had actually been familiar about this, but I forgot until I started doing research for this topic. So there's one scene and actually, to be honest, that forest is really creepy. Like, so when they find the scarecrow, it's, uh, or I think it might be when they find the tin, it's when they find the tin man. Cause you know, he's like chopping or like he's rusted and yeah. they have to like put the oil on him. And he's like in the middle of chopping that wood and he like freezes in position. Right. So they have the scare, I think they have the scarecrow, Dorothy and the tin man. And you know, they find the tin man in the forest and then they go, you know, we're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. And so they like start skipping off down the yellow brick road through this forest. That is the creepiest freaking looking forest yeah, you when, can find for a children's movie. Throwing apples at her or something. Yeah, and the trees like had those faces and stuff and they were all creepy and it's so dark. The forest and surrounding it is so dark. Maybe they did that intentionally to make the yellow brick road look more bright. Um, but regardless is a creepy looking I, I can't um, believe I was not turned off by this but maybe because it was so creepy maybe that's the reason why I liked it <laughs> I do like horror movies now yeah but um as they're they're skipping away and they're saying we're off to see the wizard there is a large black fuzzy feature in the distance in the trees and you can Google this, like Wizard of Oz suicide. Um, and you'll see these stills of the, fi- of the film. And I'm telling you, they do look like a person. It really looks like a person that's, that's being hung from a tree in the oh. distance. Like the outline and the way it's kind of like that, you know, like your head would slope forward yeah. and you would just be, um, you know, dangling there. That's what it looks like, but this is not what actually happened. No one actually died on the filming of this movie. It's a miracle considering everything else. (laughs) So to give the indoor set of this forest a more outdoorsy feel, 
several birds of various sizes were borrowed from the LA Zoo and they were allowed to just roam freely on the set. So a peacock, for example, can be seen wandering around outside the Tin Woodsman's <laughs> shack while Dorothy and the Scarecrow attempt to revive him with the oil. Just randomly just walking around. I mean, I don't know how this hindered them or helped them during continuity, continuity, I can't say that, Con continuity? continuity issues. I mean, like, you know, you got a bird in one scene, you don't have one in the other. And you can actually see like a bird flying towards the camera right at the end of that scene. Um, at the very end of that sequence as they are skipping away. So the reality is that that, that figure, um, it's, they, they think that it's one of the emus or potentially a crane um, that is in the back of that scene. Um, and it's most likely just spreading its wings. So it's not a person, it's just a bird. And it does move slightly and you can see it move um uh and you really probably couldn't tell anything when you like saw this in the theaters or when you saw it on your itty bitty little tv but when it first came out like on vhs and people could stop it pause it rewind rewatch that's when people started being like oh my gosh is that a person but it's actually just a bird so it was like pretty noticeable to people i guess I, and again like i would have never have noticed this if someone hadn't pointed it out to me I, I doubt you would either like it's, so, yeah. it's very far into the distance it's super grainy really fuzzy um they did release like a remastered version so maybe that might be <laughs> part of the reason why people noticed it but um the only thing is like that the forest looks super creepy and then to see this black fit this dark um fuzzy feature kind of like moving in the background it does make it look a little more ominous um, but then when you have that still, it does kind of look like a, like a person, but uh, it is not a person. It is a bird. Either an emu, a crane, who knows? Maybe it's the Mothman mm -hmm. uh, just floating in the back there. And that is the end of my story. Oh, that, was really, that was a good one. <laughs> I just cannot believe that someone did not die. Um, mm. Well, not, not initially, but, you know, who knows what the long-term, you know. I mean, it clearly fucked up Judy Garland's entire life. Um, yeah, but that, that might just be also just being a child star, you know. Yeah, that, that is Diet true. Diet pills probably didn't help. <laughs> and wow. adrenaline shots. Can you imagine getting that, adrenaline as a shot? Just be like. I didn't even know that was a thing. Well, like, it, it makes me think of um, uh, the beauty pageants where it shows them, um, like a toddlers and tears it shows them giving this like big pixie sticks of sugar and i think that's oh. way. like if you're good i'll give you a pixie stick and i and i think it's like really like just keep them that's away. awful you are probably correct yeah but like i i thought it was originally going to be like three things like four things and then like when I kept scrolling and I kept finding multiple different lists, the most shocking nightmares to happen on the set of the Wizard of Oz, things about the Wizard of Oz that you never knew you knew before, you know, like, <laughs> it just. Yeah, when yeah. I looked up one of the pictures, it said something about it being cursed. I'm like, yeah, yeah well. Though it mostly seems like human error to me. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know how they weren't just looking at each other and being like, Bob. I don't know if this is a good idea. <laughs> you know.
Well, they probably signed their lives away. With yeah, this. yeah, that's true. And they sank so much money into it. And obviously it worked out in the end. They ended up making tons of money. I mean, just think of all the memorabilia. I myself, look behind me. That is oh. a Wizard of Oz poster behind me. I did not even notice that. <laughs> that's funny. I wasn't lying when I said I like <laughs> the Wizard of Oz. Like- I, I, uh, I bought that Wizard of Oz poster with my parents and I went to Disney World when I was like 15. And Seriously? I you it. kept it that, this whole time? I like kept all my posters except for like the Spice Girls ones and the, the Leonardo DiCaprio ones. Those were the ones that hit the trash. <laughs> you let those go. But um, like... I remember I spent my hard-earned chore money on that poster. I don't even <laughs> throw that away. But I, it hasn't been, I didn't like hang them all up. Like I would roll them up, put a, ba- a rubber band around it and like just pop it in the closet. So it was probably in a though. closet my for like 20 years. Stuff, so I end up, you know, throwing it away. The corners got a little rip, but uh, yeah, you can't really see it because there's a glare, but that is a Wizard of Oz poster. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Well, um, so my topic this evening is uh, arranged marriages. <laughs> oh, that is a good topic. Oh, thank you. I, I was in, I don't know if you've seen the show, but I was inspired by the Indian matchmaking Indian, show. I was going to say Indian <laughs> matchmaking. I have not seen it. It's, I, I mean, I liked it, but. Um, now, is that a reality show? Or it, a is. Show? it is. Okay. It, it, yeah. So it's one season so far. Um, and it's about, it basically follows, um, Seema Taparia, who is an Indian matchmaker. Um, she works with people in the documentary show people in, it looks like the U S and India. Um, and she would like work with their families and kind of get what they call uh, bio data together, which is basically like kind of like a resume, but, or like almost like a profile, I guess, but very in depth about like their education and their, um, you know, their hobbies and I guess their background, like what, like, you know, part of India they were from and stuff like that. Cause that was uh, all taken into consideration. Um, okay. But, um, and then basically the, she would like kind of, she would Skype with the potential matches and then set them up on dates. And I mean, they would go, they would like fly to other States to even maybe, I don't know if they ever went across the country, but just to meet each other and they would have um like maybe like a few dates and then kind of decide from there okay along with the family you know if it's something they wanted to pursue so um you know it was really interesting just seeing the different personalities and what is at stake you know with with these arranged marriages but um as as we'll see this was kind of a very uh glossy version lighthearted marriages kind of like the bravo version (laughs) (laughs) like andy cohen and be like hey guys (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i mean it's a good watch but yeah take it with a grain of salt is kind of what i learned from this but not every single experience is like right yeah and you know it's like i'm gathering that these individuals had a lot of money yes because they can hire this matchmaker and i'm guessing she is just loading in the dough because yeah i mean yeah if you see their houses and like yeah i mean imagine hiring a matchmaker period like i mean obviously those have probably gone away for the most part because of dating websites but there was that like tlc or whatever show remember was like the hot the millionaire Millionaire matchmaker yeah i was just thinking about that yeah 
Um, so anyway, um, my sources were NBC News, Wikipedia, <laughs> that had a lot of information. And then there's an LA Times article that I'll talk about later on. Um, so arranged marriages, for those who don't know, is a type of marital union where the bride and groom are selected by family and usually by the parents. Um, and then in some cases such as- Fun. In, Yeah, right. In some cases, the Indian matchmaker show shows um, a professional matchmaker is hired. So um, India, Pakistan, Japan, and China have the highest percentages of arranged arranged marriages. I think it's like 53% across the whole world is arranged marriages. No. Really? Yeah. That's more than half. I know. I can do math. Yay! <laughs> I realized how obnoxious I sounded when I said it's more than half. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I, no, I was surprised too. Um, and it's estimated that 60% of marriages are arranged in India. Um, so okay. actually, the biggest, I guess the biggest thing, it wasn't arranged marriages that I didn't get. I, I was curious about if they were more successful than um, what they call love marriages. Well, that's okay. I am curious as to like where did this tradition start because I mean marriages originally really were just to gain like status land titles and things like that so I feel like at one point all marriages were arranged right because like you were given away by your father right well yeah in in some ways yes um I couldn't really find much about and I didn't look super hard, but I, I couldn't find much about like where the origins started, but I'm sure, yeah. It's yeah. Been- well, I mean, if you think about like royalty, like the king would then give away his sister and I'm like- going to get to that part? Oh, whoopsie, whoopsie. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> okay, go for it. <laughs> sorry. I will shut my mouth. So they were very popular. Arranged marriages were very popular until the 18th century. Okay. Um, that was- uh, worldwide and then until about the 20th century it was very popular among migrant families in the U.S. Um, So it was popular especially for Japanese Americans. They had this type of marriage called what they called picture bride marriages where basically um, the individual would see a picture of their spouse and then they would meet them. That was all they the only information they got was a picture and then they would nothing else not even a name. Uh, maybe a name, but not 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 much else. And then they would meet them on their wedding day. Ooh, God, it's a good thing no one gave them my picture. <laughs> I can't even imagine the bottom of the barrel guy I'd be giving. Yeah, to. you know, you gotta you gotta help. If that's all you got, was <laughs> a picture. Although, who knows? Maybe that would make me look. Maybe that would even shine. Well, when you light think about it. it, that's like, you know, we when we're on wait, dating websites, like. Like, that's kind of what we rely on. I mean, I have always made sure to read the profile. Oh, yeah. I mean, I do too, of course. But I mean, think about it. They they can have a perfect profile, but if they have an ugly picture, like, you're going to swipe left, you know? (laughs) Sorry. That's a terrible thing to say. I swipe left on nobody. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Anyway, it it has declined um, in countries where... uh, I'm sorry, in countries as individualism and social mobility and wealth increases. Um, but it is still seen, like you said, in royal families. Okay. 
uh, minority religious groups and in fundal fundamentalist Mormon groups. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. That's when they marry multiple people. Right. Um, so there's uh, several types of arranged marriage, and this is, it, it does start to get a little depressing just as a trigger. Yay! Can't wait! Yeah. So, yeah. Follow that yellow brick road. Let's go. Right. Yes. <laughs> Follow the yellow brick road to darkness. No. <laughs> um, so there's forced arranged marriage where the parents or guardians select the individuals and they are neither consulted or have any say before the marriage. There's consensual arranged marriage where the parents or guardians select um, the person and the individuals are consulted and they um, consider and consent um, and they have the power to refuse. Sometimes okay. they meet the person before the engagement um, and they talk about what's called, oh God, shidduch, which is a custom in Orthodox Jews. So that's usually how they how the type of arranged marriage they use. Um, then there is self-selected marriage where individuals select the person, then the parents or guardians are consulted. Um, and the so parents- is that like you meet someone that you really like, but you can't marry them unless your parents approve? Yeah, so the parents have to have the power to veto. Okay. Yeah, and then there's autonomous marriage where- It's a good thing that didn't happen in my family either. <laughs> <laughs> um but and then there's a autonomous marriage where individuals select the parents or guardians are neither consulted nor have any say before the marriage which is i mean isn't that what we did that yeah like, that's just regular marriage? marriage i think that's just typical marriage like okay it was under arranged marriage so i was like i don't i don't know you don't understand the difference yeah or maybe maybe the person selects you know, selects um, the other person and then they decide, okay, I'm going to, we're going to get married. Like it's, it is kind of arranged in that aspect where it's not like we're going to date a long time and then decide. Okay. Yeah. I and it says most, so it says most adult marriages fall between consensual arranged and autonomous. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. See, cause that's just most adult marriages. It doesn't say anything about <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, so they're mostly kind of skewed towards the, you know, having some consent. Yeah. Well, that's good. <laughs> yes. So, and then there are um, more like subtypes where there's arranged, oh God, <laughs> exogamous marriage where a third party finds a bride and groom and they are not taking into account like their socio socioeconomic or cultural background. Oh, great. That's going to turn out well. Yeah. And then there's arranged endogamous marriage where the third party finds the bride and groom, but they are purposely looking for a particular um, so social, economic, and cultural group. So usually- like the matchmaker. Yeah. Like they usually want to be in the, like, I remember it was like a big deal if they were for the the- um, certain people on the show, like if they were sick or not, like S-I-K-H, I believe. Um, like Seek. From, oh, is it Seek? Yeah. The way they said it was sick, so that's why I was like, that's why I said it that way. But, um, and... Because that's a religion. So if you don't share the same religion... Yeah. 
I um, could see struggles with that. Yeah. 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 Kind of like with, yeah, with most marriages. I mean, yeah. If you don't yeah. share the same belief structure, it can definitely put up. Yeah. I mean, depending on how passionate you are, I guess. Yeah. That's <laughs> true. You are. Um, and then the, an even more subset is a consent, God, consanguineous marriage. Sound it out. <laughs> I know. It's got, it's got a lot, a lot of nouns in there. <laughs> so in this marriage, and I'm, trying to hold, you know, judgment because this is like a cultural thing. Okay. A bride and groom share a relative such as a grandparent. So okay. they are first cousins usually. So they are seen in parts of Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, North Africa, and Central Asia. Um, okay. And now several reasons why people um, participate in arranged marriages. And um, when you kind of touched on this um, earlier was poverty. Um, okay. know too many mouths to feed and because it's a lot harder for women to get work in certain areas Mm -hmm. easier to marry them off and this is joy and again about to get dark again Uh, (laughs) (laughs) don't say i didn't warn you um so this we see child marriages um occur that happens like you don't even know like i've seen statistics that are just rough in the united states it's not like Yes. I, I've seen statistics where it happens. It's not like a third world country thing. Like it happens all over the but world. It's obviously not a legal marriage, but it's like. Well, what happens is they, they get like a lot of places. Like you can be, even in the U S you can be like 14, like you could be really young. And if your parents sign off. Oh, that's true. Then it's fine. 14. I've, the youngest I've heard was 16, but damn. I, I don't know if That's it, crazy. I mean, people, married, but you can't people, vote. <laughs> I know, right? Or drink or smoke or drive, you know, like <laughs> you can't even get away if you wanted to. Right. Like, hey, this, I changed my mind. I'll <laughs> hitchhike out of here. Right. Um, I think like, you know, there are people who are very passionate, who are um, striving to change those laws. Yeah. So I'm not sure if this is yeah. still happening or not, but um, I, the last time I saw this, like, cause I would distinctly remember it like being really shocking. Cause it was like right in our backyard, essentially, you know? Yeah. That's interesting. But they, they talked about, they said the highest rates of arranged child marriages were Niger, uh, Chad, Mali, Bangladesh, um, Central African Republic, Afghanistan, Yemen, India, and Pakistan. Um, and then kind of similar, um, they have something called bride wealth in parts of Africa and the Middle East for um, where basically like a, a poor uh, family will kind of like, I hate to say it, but like auction off their, their you know, their daughter um, for payment and in exchange for property. And like whoever bids the most like gets Oh my God, that's terrible. There's a human being. Yeah, I, I, just, I just Googled it. It says between the year 2000 and 2015, 200,000 200, minors were legally married in the United States. You said legally? Legally married. Um, so 86% of those marriages were between the minor and an adult. So someone over the age of 18 and 5% of the minors were aged 15 years old or younger. Wow. 
yeah, gross. Yeah, it's like, see, that's that's the reason why when I hear immediate when I hear arranged marriage, my mind immediately goes, oh no, oh no, until I hear otherwise, because I immediately think of disenfranchised women and girls. And I think of like being given away. Right. And like like women being thought of as property. Yeah, and that really is what a lot of it is. I hate, you know, unfortunately. Yeah. My my opinion of it did change a little bit only yeah. because of that show Married at First yeah. Sight. Well, I mean, clearly there are some individuals that yeah. are being consented but, and that's great. Yeah, but this is, you know, I mean, a lot of that was just because they wanted to start a TV show and it's like, hey, let's think of something really unique and interesting. Um, so, but yeah, that made me wonder like, and because our divorce rates are, are so high, I'm wondering like if more and more people are like, hey, let me think of something else. But of course, yeah. the, in my mind, it's like in the, in like an equal, you know, equal opportunity where everyone is consenting and really consenting and not just like, yes, sure, I guess I'll try it, you know? <laughs> like, how does it fare? Does it like, work I'm out better? Sure, I'll get married. <laughs> yeah. Um. And it's also, so arranged marriages are also done in quote unquote older, um, for older marriages. And apparently in Japan, that's 29. Um, oh gosh. 30% of, of women in Japan who are, who reach the age of 29 and have never been married are, um, they do what's called a, um, I'm sorry, they, they hire a matchmaker called a Nikado, um, and then their family and friends are also involved. So, and the the matchmaker um, selects a pair um, with the family and everybody involved. Typically, the couple meets three times, either in public or private, before deciding if they want to get engaged. Um, so that's, you know, again, it's hard. You know to what they say date. about that third date. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, My gosh, she's going to be a spinster if we don't marry her soon. She's 29, damn it. I, know, I was like, damn, 29. I remember I got married when I was 27. And my now husband was 30 and I read some stat that the average people in the United States in 2014 um, were 27 and 30. I was like, well, I am right on target. This is first time ever in my entire life. <laughs> it's probably going to be the last. Well, I remember in, in, I took marriage and families class in, in college. And I remember they're, they're saying if you're 25 or older, your marriage is more likely to succeed. Yeah. Cause I mean, you I know what you want. Yeah. yeah. Because um, my, both of my parents were divorced and they were married in their early 20s and then they found each other in their 30s and obviously they're still together. I'm a byproduct, so I can't Actually, complain. So second marriages are less likely to to um Whoa. Be- yeah. So, so they're so beating really, the odds there. Yeah. And uh and and each like more and more like per after each marriage. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh that's another thing. Judy Garland was married like four times. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I wonder so, if you'll wear white that fourth time. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot, I'd be like, I'd just be wearing like some yoga pants. I'd be like, imagine the expense. <laughs> yeah, but 
or maybe I mean do you just rewear the same dress like <laughs> I feel like that nice. would be bad luck girl's been married four times I mean clearly she's already got some bad luck going that's on. true that's very true but you know maybe she just really liked having a wedding and she's like I want to do this again girl after my own heart but and hey if you got the money you know <laughs> I know um okay so also another reason people get um have arranged marriages because of limited choices uh they for example migrant <laughs> that's not a, that's not as plenty of fish now. my ass yeah like i'll just say just shine me to somebody i i don't want to <laughs> there's no more choices i'll just take the i'll just be the teacher's partner that's <laughs> always embarrassing when they're like Oh, I'll be your partner. Oh, yeah. Does anybody not have a partner? I was always Me. that kid that I was like, I would just let everyone pair up and I would just stand there looking Trust. Stupid. I was the same. Like, I would never make any effort. <laughs> and I kind of didn't really want to be their partner. So. <laughs> I was just too afraid. I don't know. Like, too you afraid were too of afraid of rejection. <laughs> You're like a five-year-old afraid of rejection. <laughs> But anyway, so migrant families, you know, due to stereotypes and segregation and be just being avoided by the general public, <laughs> were often forced to, to, you know, have arranged marriages. I'm sorry. I was just still thinking about the previous comment. I'm sorry. Keep going. <laughs> I just don't want people to think I'm laughing at what you're saying now. I'm like, Jesus, Bay. I'm sorry. I'm just thinking of the five-year-old afraid of rejection. I'm laughing at my own joke. Go ahead. I'm glad you crack yourself up. Um, and then it's also arranged marriages are also like a customary thing. Um, so in rural and tribal parts of Pakistan and Afghanistan, uh, it's actually used as like a punishment. So like, really? yeah. So if someone is um, committed of a crime of like unpaid debts or a murder, a lot of forced to marry someone. No, they're forced to marry off their virgin daughter between five and twelve. Oh, yeah. oh. So you know, let's let's punish the little girl who didn't do anything. Again, used as property. Yeah. Ugh. But anyway, um, and then like you mentioned earlier, you just pay your fucking debt to society. Jesus. Yeah, like just do what we do and kill them. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> kidding, kidding, kidding. Like I don't know. Yeah, but Continue. thank you. Thank You're you. Welcome. I was. Um, <laughs> and then it's also used as pol for political reasons. Um, yeah. Countries would marry off royal sons and daughters to neighboring countries to form an alliance or yeah. a treaty. Um, like an example, a famous example is Mar Marie Antoinette, daughter of the Queen of Austria and Hungary, was married to mm -hmm. um, the king French queen or king <laughs> he's the one or no he's not the one that's resulting in our pepper salt and pepper right it's louis the 14th or whatever I have no idea we don't even know our own our own, our own topics yeah <laughs> I know after like after the first five you, you lose count <laughs> so uh, divorce rate is lower in arranged marriages um, okay so you answered your question Sort of. Uh, <laughs> so it's only 6%, but it's also because divorce is, or is it because divorce is less uh, likely to occur in these cultures where okay. it happen? 
you know, sometimes they're even outlawed or it's just okay. harder to, to, to actually. Yeah. Well, I can imagine if you're sold off as property, you're not like going, yeah, hey, you're not hey honey, I need a divorce. Hey, I don't like this. <laughs> yeah. And if you live in a culture that really like, you know, thinks heavily on like what your family thinks and like what they want as well as yourself, you know, yeah. I can imagine like you'd be thinking like you'd be letting them down in some way. Yeah. And if it's like, look, if you don't marry this person, you're going to starve to death, then like, <laughs> yeah. what are you going to say to that? You know? Um, so they, I think they did, there was like one small sample study that they did to look at love and satisfaction in arranged marriages and they kind of got mixed results. So it's like, wasn't really kind of inconclusive, I guess. Okay. Um, but in one of the articles I read, there was uh, a psychologist who, who studied uh, arranged marriages and he said that they tend, that people in arranged marriages tend to have a more like old fashioned um, idea of marriage and they look at it more as like a to-do list and they don't, they don't feel okay. like a full connection, um, but because they're not like emotional, like the emotionally charged the way like love marriages typically are, like um, in, in some ways, because it's more logical, it's yeah that it, it, you know, kind of keeps it from getting like to the, you know, when there's so much passion, you know, that can lead to just explosion. Yeah you know, explosiveness. <laughs> yeah. So, um, he says the key in is to kind of take a little bit from both. Yeah. Um, obviously not the treating women as property. Yes. <laughs> part, yes. Let's end but, that. But he said the biggest thing is transparency and just honesty. Um, and, and to look at shared values when choosing a partner and don't just rely on your emotions, you know, like use your brain and your heart, not just your heart. Um, so that's kind of it for the topic, but there was a really good article that I just wanted to mention. Um, and it was called, uh, it's by Nikita Duvall and it's called what Netflix, Netflix's <laughs> Indian matchmaking doesn't tell you about arranged marriage. Okay. And she was, um, she was 24 and she, when she was, um, in an arranged marriage, um, she says the show glamorizes the process and she decided to speak out because she was irked by memes that were going around about the show. Um, so she, I think posted something on Twitter that basically went viral. Um, so I just pulled out this quote that was- okay that I really liked. And she said, quote, for me, the arranged marriage system compounded the sense of entitlement that many Indian men and their families feel in which women are theirs to pick and choose from. Our height, our complexion, our weight, everything is up for scrutiny. Choice is an illusion and saying no when there is no discernible reason to say so, and there almost always isn't, will only get you branded as difficult and demanding. Mm. Yeah. So she, um, she said, like her husband was emotionally abusive and she did end up leaving. I, she didn't really go into detail, but it sounded like she broke off the engagement, but she said she saw like her family turn from like compassionate to like, just like total like strangers and stone, like the way they treated her. Basically it sounds like it kind of destroyed her relationship with them. Aww. And she says like, even though they said it was my choice, it really, 
it really wasn't because the amount of shame that like your family treats you with it's it's really not a choice so yeah there I mean there's got to be a lot of pressure when you want to like succeed in your own life and you want your parents to be proud of you and you want you know I mean I don't know I kind of feel like almost like getting into college you know like you put in that application and you know like I hope they choose me you know (laughs) yeah I don't know I know it's obviously not the same but or it's like you're the college and you're choosing who you're going to select kind of but yeah kind of both ways you know because you want to choose the right and you want the right one to choose you and yeah yeah and you want you want to choose a place that your family will like yeah yeah well they like my major yeah but yeah yeah, I mean it's it's I mean there is no easy way to you know figure out to choose somebody that you know it's gonna work out for the rest of your life but Man, I mean, I think that's like very mixed bag. I think it depends on the people, it depends on the family, it depends on the process that they're using and the circumstances. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, you know, having a love marriage is definitely more of a, a privilege than, you know, oh, yes, absolutely not what it what it started out as, you know, as yeah as for some people it's still still that way. So there was an Adam Ruins Everything episode about marriage. Um, I think a lot of the episode probably focused on like, you know, the wedding industry and how things are marked up like crazy amounts of money just because they can, because it's connected to a wedding. Um, yeah, but it was talking about that, like the origins of marriage and how like originally people did not get married for love. Like they just got married for practicality. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously that has since changed. (laughs) Hopefully, fingers crossed. Then we realized, hey, well, we need to be able to stand the person we're spending. I know, time. right? Um, but I think, like, like you said, like as individualism grows, yeah, need to um, and and they specific like, needs grows. Countries where women were um, like more educated and, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like you know independent. That's where it it changed as well. So yeah. That was a good topic. That could have been so dicey, but I think you really like presented all the facts there. <laughs> I, know, I, like, I have to be really careful because there's like a yeah. lot of stuff in here. And I actually wanted to like interview somebody, but I couldn't really find anybody. <laughs> yeah. I think I've only met people who are children of people who um, their yeah. parents are, were arranged. Yeah. I've met two different people in that circumstance and both of their, both of those people, their parents are together. Yeah. Um, and then by all accounts seem very happy, but, and, um, yeah. in the show, they do interview some, some of the people's parents and like, it's kind of like, a, most of them actually do seem happy. I mean, they're kind of laughing and joking with each other. Um, but they're always like, Oh, at the beginning I hated her. Or I hated him, you know? <laughs> so it sounds like they kind of like had to grow to love each yeah. other, but you know, sure. don't we all, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Well, that was a really good uh, topic. Good job. Yours. So, um, yeah. So, like us on Facebook and Instagram. Um, on this is the part I don't get, and please email us at the part I don't get at gmail.com and give us your. 
things that you don't get, or if you just want to comment on what you've heard, for example, maybe you can tell us if Margaret Hamilton was a kindergarten teacher or not. Yeah. Um, or if like, you know, someone who had an arranged marriage, you know, feel free to share your insights. And if we get something wrong or if something yeah. you really liked, please, please. And you can but do it on Instagram or on Facebook too. I guess you technically don't have to do that via email, but you know, all right. All right. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> have a good night. All right. Bye. It's not stopping. <laughs>